It's This Week in Bourbon, tender, juicy bourbon news. And here's your headlines for August 5th, 2022. An Israeli distillery makes the country's first Kentucky bourbon-style whiskey. Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board members are investigated after buying leftover Pappy lottery bottles. And Goose Island Bourbon County Stout announces seven variants for this year's release. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Hey, everybody. It's a tender and juicy this week in bourbon. I said what do you that mean because, by that? <laughs> oh, I said that because we were talking before we were recording. You know, I, I have these grand visions of, of making brisket because I love brisket. It seems that I fail way more than I succeed when it comes to making it. And so this time, instead of going and getting one of the big Costco packers that you can get for, you know, $70, $80, sometimes at 50 or 60 if they're on sale, and I went to the farmer's market. I'm like, oh, okay, let's support our local farmer. And it was just these kind of like these small flats. And I said, ah, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. It was like 30 bucks. I'll give a go on 30 bucks. <laughs> but the hard, the hard part of a brisket is just, at least in my family, I'm the only one who eats it. My wife doesn't really like it. My kid doesn't eat anything except chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. So I'm kind of just doing it for me. And at this point, I just need to come to the realization that I cannot make a brisket and I should give up. And if I just want to get brisket, I just need to go out somewhere and get it. Even though nothing around here really compares to Texas, I just I just need to fold the cards now. Yeah, I mean, sounds like you're failing. You're the common denominator <laughs> when you're <laughs> when you're cooking. No, I'm kidding. I've, brisket's one of those things, man. It's uh, I think I've had one like successful one, and it seems like you you have to go bigger. The bigger you go, the the less chance of error. I don't know. I don't know if it's because like all the fat or there's just more 
But it seems like the smaller I do, they just the smaller ones never turn out well, especially the grass fed farmer. Yeah, ones. farmers market <laughs> like definitely not as fatty as you would want it. Yeah, yeah you're we right. Need, it, we need corn fed. You know, just hopped up on hormones, antibiotics, all this oh, stuff. Yeah, just know. throw it all in there. It's uh, it, it, like I said, it turned out all right. I ate it; it was edible. But only about half of it was good because that was the part that still had a good chunk of fat on it. The other half was just too thin and dried out. And yeah, you know, the flat that, or whatever. Yeah, and even that little thing took eight hours. And I usually know when I do a Costco thing, you got to start at like midnight or one or two or three a.m. to be ready for dinner the next day. And I, now, now I'm starting to just have this epiphany that I don't like brisket that much. To it's like waiting in line for bourbon. Like I think I'm I'm at the point now where I would just rather pay uh, to go get the brisket rather than wait in line and do it. Yeah, the juice is not worth the squeeze. It's uh yeah, I I hear you. But there's I can't think of anywhere locally that has good brisket. I mean, it's can tough. you name one? I mean, uh, there's think, good wings, there's good ribs, there's good pulled pork, but I I can't name one that has great brisket. I know. I hope somebody's going to reply to this and be like, "You need to go check out the brisket here." I will be the first in line, and I will. Same. I will have a. We will have a a week of brisket, and we will go hit up all the brisket places we can. Yeah, because once you have Terry Blacks, it's like ruins everything. Or you know, Franklin's too, but and Pecan Lodge. That stuff's good, but if you had all <laughs> three of those, it like ruins everything. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But let's let's talk a little bit the little bit of bourbon news, and I didn't put in the headlines. I don't even have it in the news, and it's only because a lot of people are saying, and they're in the reviews, or, oh, this podcast is just turning into a big advertisement for Pursuit United. I get it. We're very proud of our little baby. Uh, so we're not going to talk about it too much, but we did announce and put out our press release this week of saying that it's officially available. It is going to be on Sealbox, and we're going to Colorado, Illinois, Georgia, Texas, Tennessee, Ohio, and New Mexico. And my forget, I'm forgetting one. There's another state in there I'm missing, but there's eight states Georgia. plus Georgia. Yes, thank you. And so we will be in eight states plus Seal Box today, Friday, August fifth. So please go pick up a bottle, go help support us, and we listen to a lot of your feedback. And so that's why we implemented batch codes on the bottles. Now this was something that people said. I don't know if I have batch one. I don't know if I have batch two. Can you tell? And we could only tell by how crooked the neck label was, but now we actually have, <laughs> we still still have naked crook, crooked neck labels. We still like, might have a few a few Easter eggs out there across the nation. So if you find a good crooked neck, neck label, at least uh, at least tag us in it. Good but, lord, just can't figure out these. Our bottlers can't figure out these neck labels, but we'll, <laughs> one day, one day, one it's day. like the brisket, you know. Just keep practicing and refining. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, but, but it's exciting. What's a it is. You know, it, there's so much work that goes into these things, and uh, you just can't even describe how much time and effort and and all the hurdles that we that got to this bottling. You know, and a lot of people in the industry are, are dealing with the same thing. You know, everyone in the industry that was able to put out product, you know, the past year or two has really just grinded to make it to get p product on the shelf. So, you know. Shout out to everyone in the industry, to us, to everyone. You know, it's been a long, long couple of years, tough couple of years with supply chain issues. So we're excited and uh, yeah, we're, we're hopeful. We're really excited about these two batches. I think they turned out fantastic. They're a little different um, than the previous two. So uh, hope everyone enjoys them. And that's why you're going to see batch code 7CC on it. 
it's our little cryptic way of saying, hey, this is from July of 2022. So I'll put out a thing that says exactly how to decipher our codes, even though it's pretty, pretty simple. All right. People are probably tired of hearing this. They are. They are. Let's go ahead and let's get at it here. So this is our good buddy, Fred Minnick and Bourbon Crusaders and the Kentucky Stillers Association. Uh, They are going back and raising money once again. As you remember, they did it last year for the tornado. Actually, it was in December of last year, so it really wasn't that too long ago. Uh, So they are going to play a large role in raising money for the victims of the eastern Kentucky flooding that has recently happened. It was following the deadly tornadoes in western Kentucky in December. And so all three of these groups uh, raised $3.4 million in relief efforts for the tornado victims. And organizers are hoping to replicate that again, and this time for victims in eastern Kentucky. Rare bottles and barrels of bourbon were auctioned to the highest bidder last time, and exclusive bourbon experiences at some of the most famous distilleries were also up for grabs. Anyone wishing to donate can contact the Kentucky's Distillers Association, and the silent auction for the eastern Kentucky flood victims will start on August 11th. Very awesome, Fred, and and the Crusaders and all that. They're a wonderful organization. Um, Brett Atlas and Luke and uh, Brian Hara, Michael Hunt. There, there's so too many to name. There's Travis Hill. There, there, there's all great people. Um, and the they've raised a ton of money for charity. I'd I'd love to do an economic study on what just the Crusaders has done. I mean, gosh, it's got to be pushing in the millions. And um, it's just a great thing that you know, the bourbon community has done is really focused on the charity side and really gave back to the community. And it's, it's a tragedy that we have to do this again. You never want to, but, um, especially so soon, but especially so soon. And like, I know Fred was asking, but I was like, man, I, I just gave a bunch to the last one. You know, I kind of gave a bunch of my unicorns. I'm like, I'm out of them. Um, but hopefully a lot of bottles show up, a lot of cool stuff for, people to bid on and give back to the the community has been hit hard again. Very true. Very true. And I think the last time I heard, I think there was 35 people dead uh, from last I heard, but I'm sure that that number's increased since then. Yeah. Super sad, but hopefully we can make a shining moment out of it. So very true. So if you got bottles, feel free to donate, go ahead and go to the Kentucky Cicero Association website and you can get in contact with them there. But speaking of probably somebody who's going to get a slap on the wrist for the Kentucky Distillers Association, or maybe, I don't know, the United States in general, do you remember a, a few weeks ago, it had been two or three, and it was with Kings County, and they were doing their Irish-style whiskey, and they got a season to stiss from the Irish Whiskey Association? Yep. Well, now, who knows? This might, might turn some heads here a little bit. So an Israeli distillery is making the country's first Kentucky whiskey. So master distillers Noam Cohen and Alan Cole had the audacity to launch Legends as their boutique bourbon-style whiskey distillery. And three years ago, after undergoing stringent training and distilling techniques with some of America's best experts, he said in quotes, we bring American tradition with a bit of Israeli innovation, said Cohen. He He actually moved to Israel 10 years ago. He says, what is Legend? It is taking something and making it better. A fourth-generation American, Cohen grew up hearing his grandfather tell tales of his childhood of midnight visitors to his tenant apartment in the 1920s during Prohibition as his father sold bootleg liquor to speakeasies. Cole, who has been in Israel for 30 years, came to Bourbon a bit later. His parents immigrated to the United States from Romania and drank sweet cherry liquor called Vishniak rather than whiskey. 
Their label sports an old wagon wheel together with an olive tree as symbols of both gritty American and Israeli pioneering traditions. Their flagship product, Slingshot, has naturally a slingshot on its label. Other planned products will similarly be named, hinting to the biblical location of the distillery. Legends created its own unique recipe using small domestic grains and a detail-oriented aging and mellowing process. The whiskey is aged three years in old white American oak barrels previously used by surrounding distilleries for aging wine, rather than in new American white oak barrels as is required to process in the U.S. The barrels are duly charred, which is double the level used in the U.S. whiskey production. Legends Whiskey has a complex spirit that you don't find in U.S. bourbon, said Cohen. For a few technical reasons, they do not call their product bourbon, one of them being that it is made in Israel and not in the United States. They decided to call it Kentucky Whiskey because most people know that Kentucky Whiskey is bourbon. There are other distilleries in Israel, they noted, but none make American whiskey. And right now, their product is sold in some of 100 stores throughout Israel and online with traditional Israeli chutzpah, or chutzpah, I'm probably going to screw that one up. Sorry, all my Jewish friends out there. They have plans to begin exporting their Kentucky whiskey made in Israel to the United States. Hmm. Yeah, I saw this and I was kind of, couldn't wrap my head around it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like you, I'm not, you you yeah, sound really upset about this one. I, yeah, I, I don't like can't, it. Can't get but, your can't get your thoughts together there. Yeah, well, the the one I guess thing that I, I kind of like is that it's helped bring awareness to Kentucky whiskey or American whiskey, you know, in Israel or other places. But at the same time, you can't like hijack our our name and and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's not cool. That's exactly what they're doing. They're definitely hijacking it to call it Kentucky whiskey because it's associated with bourbon, even though they're not calling it bourbon, which the other side is as they're not even aging it in new charred American white oak casks or new charred American or new charred oak cask. I can't even talk today, but instead they're doing it in second use barrels that are from wineries. So you might as well just call it Angel's Envy, like Kentucky bourbon whiskey style. Something like that. <laughs> just any Kentucky whiskey. I don't know. That's that's <laughs> that's strange to me. But uh, but hey, I guess it's working. They're getting publicity and um. But yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, to, I'd be interested I wonder, to see if I mean, can the U.S. government like get involved in that because it's protected, you know, federally? Well, I mean, bourbon is protected federally. Kentucky whiskey not so much, or Kentucky style, or even using the word bourbon dash style. If you go to their website, it actually says bourbon style whiskey. And I think that starts to lean on the argument that we had last time with Colin and Kings County with the Irish Whiskey Association is that that is going to start hitting some, probably some nerves here. But who knows, this might just be one small distillery in Israel. And they're just like, yeah, whatever, like, we'll figure it out later. Yeah, I mean, how much volume are they doing, you know? <laughs> Probably not that much. It says they're sold in 100 stores throughout Israel, which, I mean, I don't know. It's, there's, that can't be that much then. Yeah, I think Israel's like 30 million people or something. It's like <laughs> yeah. as big as, I think it's as big as like New York or something. Um, the reason I know that is because they like, I watched them because they were like the first ones with the COVID vaccines, like to go through was, the experiments. So I was about to say, I'm really impressed with your, ability to kind of know stats off your top of your head like that uh, it's not that i'm not that impressive so 
But it, it does. But, and, you know, and Chad, um, Chad McCoy's state senator really is pushing for this, like a trying to make like a law to protect the name Kentucky from being on a bottle, um, you know, trying to really protect the region and like the the name Kentucky um, from being on other bottles. Because he's noticed, you know, just in the states where people will say like Kentucky this or Kentucky that. And it's not like Kentucky, you know anything it's just an actual product using kentucky in there yeah right yeah if everybody breaks the rules then there are no rules so just let it off right yeah all right well let's keep going here because there's still a lot more good topics to kind of run through and first is that jim beam they have revealed plans to invest more than 400 million dollars to expand the booker no distillery in kentucky the investment will expand the capacity of the distillery in boston and nelson county kentucky the Kentucky Economic Development and Finance Authority, the KEDFA, has preliminary approved a 15-year agreement with Beam Centauri under the Kentucky Business Investment Program. Additionally, the Kentucky Economic Development Finance Authority has approved Beam Centauri for up to $550,000 in tax incentives through the Kentucky Enterprise Initiative Act. This allows firms to recuperate Kentucky sales and use tax on construction costs, building fixtures, equipment, and electronic processing. However, the details of the plant expansion have not yet been announced. Hmm. I mean, that's their workhorse, you know, there in Boston. They crank out some impressive numbers. Um, and so the only, the only reason I know where this place exists is because anytime I go to Bardstown and I miss the Bardstown exit, I have to go up to the Elizabethtown <laughs> yeah. exit, turn no, left. No, it's the Boston exit. Is that what it is? It's the Boston exit? Okay. Well, yeah. you, t- you take the next exit after you miss Bardstown, you turn left and You'll, yeah, and then you take another see. left and you go, yeah. Yeah, you go through all the back roads and yeah, you'll see the plant there and all the warehouses and stuff like that. Definitely yeah, not on definitely not on the the tour trail for anybody. Oh no, it's it's like Barton. It's a <laughs> it's somewhere you don't really there's nothing shiny or cool about it. It's just a it's a factory, you know. It's where they crank out a ton of stuff. They're in their Frankfurt plants like that too. The one <laughs> on just cranking out everywhere. Yep. $400 million. I guess business is good. That's all that matters. Yeah. So more kind of news coming up here is that the Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau, otherwise known as the TTB, they are proposing to amend the regulations that are set forth, the standards of identity for distilled spirits to include American single malt whiskey. And that is going to be a type of whiskey that is a going to be a distinctive product of the United States. This proposal follows petitions and comments submitted by several distillers of the American Single Malt Whiskey Commission. The rules state to be an American Single Malt Whiskey, it must be distilled entirely at one U.S. distillery, be mashed, distilled, and aged in the U.S., fermented of 100% malted barley, distilled at 160 proof or less, stored in an oak barrel not exceeding 700 liters, or for anybody that needs the conversion, that's around 185 gallons. No neutral spirits can be added, but... I did notice this in there is that you can allow coloring, flavoring, or blending materials. Really? Even for, for American malt, huh? Well, I mean, I, next, I, I, it'll I like probably the, be in Israel here soon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I do like the idea of, of having a, a new category for this because people like Westland and other places are really striving to create American single malt. And you might as well give them something to hang their hat up on that they can yeah. sort of grow it and grow the category because anything that's American whiskey will 
it'll grow the category as a whole and it'll be the one of those things that allows people to kind of venture over from the scotch world so if you're a scotch person you like those 100 malted barleys then you switch over to american and then you find the dark side with bourbon and then you don't leave that's right it's the gateway from scotch it's the this the olive branch from, from <laughs> yeah. scotch to bourbon is american single malt. <laughs> we just figured it out so yeah we're, right. we're all about this now totally this is kind of the big headline is that thousands of Pennsylvanians every year they try their luck at entering the occasional state liquor control boards limited to release lotteries with the hopes of getting the chance to buy a bottle of the high-end limited quantity wine or spirits. And in 2019 and 2020, for Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board members Michael Negra and four other agency top-level employees, luck wasn't really needed to claim their bottle or two. Negra is one of three board members and the employees were given the chance to buy some of the coveted bottles left over from lotteries before the public even knew there were bottles still up for grabs. A state ethics commission investigation found the sharing of confidential information did not violate their ethics law. And this is quote, due to insufficient, clear and convincing evidence of a pecuniary, I think it's that right, pecuniary benefit. While the commission Never heard of that word. Yeah, me neither. That's that's where I struggle. This is where people start getting laugh at me here. Yeah, we need Brian. <laughs> so while the commission concluded that there was no wrongdoing, the attention to the practice prompted the PLCV to launch an internal investigation and immediately change its practices. The Ethics Commission and its orders released on Monday stated that Negra, Cliff McFarland, who's the director of supply chain, Tom Bowman, a director of product selection, and Brian Kelleher, Director of the Bureau of Business Development for Wholesale Operations. Oh, there's still one more. And Carl Jolly, a retail operations manager. They agreed to not purchase any items offered by the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board outside the processes by which a Commonwealth resident may purchase such items. A PLC, PLCB spokesperson, Sean Kelly, said the agency fully cooperated with the ethics investigation. So you might wonder to yourself, well, how was this even discovered? Well, this practice of confidentially sharing information with PLCB employees of leftover lottery items was picked up by an auditor in the governor's office of the Budget Bureau of Audits. The auditor found inventory counts that did not match items designated for the limited release lotteries. From July 2019 through February 2020, the auditor found 20 bottles of limited release lottery items were transferred to the Northwest office building where the PLCB is headquartered. Dun, 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 dun. Dun. Just more I mean, shenanigans. It's like Virginia. But, I mean, this goes on in private, you know, exactly. liquor stores, too. So, I mean. that That's why. Uh, but, I'm, but if you're a state run, though, you got to be, you know, if you're going to control the whole situation, then that's a little different. Because that's like a true, that's a, a monopoly. <laughs> like, whereas. <laughs> Nobody, you don't have any other choice. Exactly. So, that I can see the outrage, but. You know, private stores do this all the time. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this one. It's, I get it for anybody that's upset about it. But here's the thing. It's 20 bottles. There were probably a couple thousand that were in there. It's it's hard to get upset about it because at the end of the day, it probably would have gone to somebody that didn't know what they were getting anyway because everybody that's joining or getting in the lottery, nine times out of 10, they probably don't know what they're getting. And it's... It's somebody that lives there that's telling their aunt, their uncle, their mom, their grandma, whomever to go enter the lottery. And they're the ones that are winning it. And they're like, oh, what did Johnny, what did you say you wanted? This Eagle Rare or something like that? <laughs> and so, I mean, we see it here in Kentucky. Don't be wrong. I'm not trying to down on any anybody from Pennsylvania here. When we go to a lottery here in Kentucky, at least when they used to have them, 
and you'd go out into the parking lot and they'd pull a number and you know they're like oh number 72 whatever come on up and it's the wife that got it and she's like oh what do i do what do i do what do i get and she has no idea so she's in line calling her husband to try to figure out what to get or you actually do get called and the person in front of you goes and picks up a lot B when there's like SAS 18 on the table. So right. that's, I think that's, that's the, that's the thing where I'm like, I can't get too upset about this because you're right. It does happen in pretty much every private industry. You're telling me you don't think the manager at every single liquor store isn't keeping a bottle or two or 16 for himself. Granted, he could make that money and that margin, but he still wants those bottles. He wants to help his friends out. He probably holds it back for his friends. He probably doesn't even hold it back for you, even though you're one of the best customers. That's just the way it is. Yep, it is. But it's too, you know, I guess state agency, state run, you know, having some little, you know, little uh, drama or not drama. Just It's drama. It is drama, yeah. You know, but it goes on in, in the private industry, so... But it's fun to make fun of the state one because we <laughs> yeah. want them all to change. Yeah, yeah, because because they they're ethically not supposed to do it. Legally is a very gray area because that's they kind of had the inside job to be able to say, okay, go ahead and put it up for on the site, and if they're the first ones to quickly go and grab it, hey, that's still a fair transaction, even though they had a little bit of inside information. But insider information happens in everything, so I whatever complain all you want about the the state run stuff they do a decent job for the most part but if this is your if you're going to complain about this and you want it to go privatized then get ready to complain about never having a chance at getting any other limited release bottle or it's going to be jacked up to secondary market prices yeah you can just move on to israeli kentucky whiskey <laughs> or do that or do that <laughs> there's probably plenty of that available <laughs> Can't all right wait for the outlash backlash on that one <laughs> there we go <laughs> Well, let's go ahead. We'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with some bourbon release news. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus Magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it uh, a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And you can get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. 
shopify.com slash bourbon. Welcome back, everybody. Let's talk about some bourbon and some beer release news. And I only had the beer release news because it's it's one of the favorites that I go through. But we're going to save that towards the end here. So the first one we're going to kind of talk about is our friends over at Buzzard's Roost. They are celebrating their third anniversary with a pair of new bourbon releases. The first is a char number one bourbon and a toasted American oak bourbon. The char number one bourbon has a mash bill of 59% corn, 36% rye, and 5% malted barley. This four-year-old double-barreled Indiana source bourbon is limited to 250 cases for the time being and a suggested retail price of $55. The toasted American oak bourbon is a blend of four- and five-year-old double-barreled Indiana source bourbon and is a blend of two mash bills, the 21% rye and the 36% rye. It has a suggested retail price of $75 and 530 cases will be available. Yum. And we saw those Love being Jason. bottled. And yeah, they were bottled when we were being bottled. So yeah. we saw we saw those. Those look they look good. I like Jason's doing good things. And he's got those proprietary chars and toast and all that stuff with ISC. So it's that's good yep. stuff. Take take the MGP, dump it into something and make it your own. I think I can we can all say hats off to that. Yep. Totally. Lux Road Distillers, they are announcing the newest member of their you're going to probably correct me. Davies? Davies County? Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, okay. You, I'm going to give you a guess. What do you think they're coming out with? Luxro? Yeah. Or Davies County? Well, this Davies County. They're, they're coming oh. out with the newest <laughs> member. Can you guess what it is? Yeah, double-double-barreled or something. Or charred, toasted something. You're you're at the very end there. Lightly toasted American oak barrels. So oh. it's it's their straight bourbon finished in lightly toasted barrels. It is a limited allocation of 3,000 six-packs of Davies County Lightly Toasted. That's what the short name is. It will retail across shelves across the country later this month at a suggested retail price of $50 per bottle. This will feature its namesake brand family's signature combination of rye and weeded bourbon mash bills. It is aged four years plus in charred oak barrels and comes in at 96 proof. The lightly toasted barrel finish is what gives this limited edition release its own unique flavor profile while giving consumers additional options with the Davies County family. Hmm. It's interesting. Three years plus on that. Um, yeah, because all the Luxro stuff just turned four, I think, in March. Um, you know, of their own distillate. So this is probably their own stuff. It's Yeah, it's four years plus. So Oh, it, four. I thought you said three year plus. No, it, it is. It's all it says, which is aged four years plus. But that's all I left it at is just plus. We're going to leave that oh. one open-ended. How did I hear three years? Sorry. I don't know. Good. Have you ever seen those uh, those machines that can just basically like give your your ear canal a good cleansing? It's just like yeah, by putting a stream, of, stream of jet of water in there. Yeah, I guess they're clogged up. I don't know. <laughs> can you do it for me? Uh, I mean, I'm one of those people that I'm addicted to watching those videos where they are like using tools to clean out earwax in oh, somebody's ear. How would you be addicted to that? Well, have you seen, I mean, like you're scrolling through TikTok or something like that and that comes up or have you seen like Dr. Pimple Popper? No. God. Oh no. gosh. When you see these massive pimples and people are just like keep squeezing and squeezing and squeezing and it keeps coming out. You, uh, you I'm can't repulsed. I, I can't turn away. I don't know. It's, it's, it's satisfying, I guess. I don't know. That's I don't. Why I'm not on. That's why I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> Is that, that's the reason why. Okay. <laughs> yeah, pimples and earwax. I'm, I'm glad that's exactly what 
made you steer away from the, the biggest social platform that's out there. <laughs> I know. Right. I, I, it sounds like I'm really missing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, you get to see some dancing videos of me on there every once in a while and uh, some good memes, but I'm just kidding. I haven't done any dancing yet. I don't, I don't think I'm going to. When's your first pimple pop coming? Uh, if you can put that on the side of a bottle, I might, I might make it happen. <laughs> you can figure out how to do it with wax or something. Yeah, some more followers. I'm sure everybody's loving this. Oh, they are. Well, you know, you're going to have some competition soon because there are some new blenders in town, and it's from a company called Mash and Grain. So American Mash and Grain brings together four unique styles and producers to redefine American whiskey. Their first release is called Borrowed Paged Volume 1, and it's the first release in a limited release series. It's a partnership between American Mash and Grain and the craft whiskey distilleries they featured on their website. Each volume will be a different from the last, weaving the tale of uniquely American collaboration, a blending of culture, craft, and passion that honors its makers and hopes to move the story of American whiskey forward. So here's the breakdown of their first blend here. So it's 34% Watershed Distillery from Columbus, Ohio of straight bourbon, 32% Wiggle Whiskey from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania of Pennsylvania straight rye, 24% of Spirits of French Lick, West Baden Springs of their Lee Sinclair bourbon, and 10% of Whiskey Dalbec from Tucson, Arizona, which is a mesquite smoked single malt. Volume 1 is 116.88 proof and available for sale for $75 on their website at mashandgrain.com. Hmm. Very cool. I think we had this idea uh, once <laughs> before, um, but once uh, before, and we didn't we didn't move forward with it. But we didn't have a chance. But I, I'm excited to try it. That'd be cool. Uh, I thought this, that would be a good project. You know, highlighting good craft craft whiskeys distilleries and putting them all together. See if you know what you can come up with. It. I never got to do it, but I'd love to try it and I love learning and seeing what other people are doing. I'm sure it's a real challenge. To be able to oh. do that. <laughs> yeah, especially those, those are some crazy mash, you know, crazy styles to blend together too. Um, that's the hard part with craft whiskey is like, they're so unique in their own sense. They don't really like play nice with each other. Just in my like random board one night putting craft whiskeys together, I kind of had <laughs> a tough time doing it, but that was your probably opinion. mashing grapes better than me. Yeah, mashing grain and grain. Oh, grape, grain, grain. Sorry, grain. Mashing, mashing grapes. That retailer, they sell, they sell stuff online. Gotcha. All right. Last kind of the the whiskey category here is that in 2018, you know them. They're a great sponsor of the show. Friend of us as well. Barrel Craft Spirits. They launched Barrel Dovetail, and that has since become a prominent expression within the company's portfolio. And recently, the independent blender of unique aged cath strength sourced whiskey and rum became intrigued with applying the concept of dovetail to some of its older stocks. The result is the BCS Gray Label Dovetail, a limited edition expression which boasts the same award-winning blend of American whiskey finished in rum, port, and Dunn Vineyards Cabernet barrels and uses the same finishing and blending method. The difference, however, is all within the company's Gray Label offerings, and that is that the BCS uses older and more rare barrels, aged up to 20 years to create this blend. The result is a beautifully balanced whiskey that is rooted in its classic, iconic counterpart. So the BCS Gray Label Dovetail was distilled in Indiana, Tennessee, and Canada, bottled at 131.54 proof. It's now available at select retailers within the brand's current 48 U.S. markets and online via the BCS website at BarrelBourbon.com. The suggested retail price for this is $250 per bottle. 
I freaking crush mine every time I get a dovetail bottle. It's like, I love that stuff. I, 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 I'd love to try a super premium older version of it, but the, the original dovetail is so good. I'd love that yeah. stuff. I honestly, I might prefer that one over seagrass because everybody's going crazy yeah, over I, seagrass right now. But seagrass has this like, it's just so sweet to me. Yeah, yeah. And and that's why I kind of lean towards a dovetail. Yeah, I'm I'm team dovetail too. I like the seagrass, but you know, I'm t- team dovetail with you. Or is it maybe you were just like everybody thinks that one's popular. We're not going to go for that one. We'll go for the other. Yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of like that too. It's like. It's like I'll like a band until everybody else does, and then I'm like, I don't like that band anymore. They're too popular. <laughs> it got too popular. We're going to have to find something new that's underground still. But gosh, Joe and them have like, they got some of the coolest, wildest uh, whiskey stocks to work with. It's it's impressive what they've done, and yeah, I'm excited to try this. Hopefully, we get a sample. I will let you know if it comes in, or I won't, and just let you know how it was. <laughs> yeah, I I doubt I'll get to see this one. <laughs> well, I mean, I did get to try what was the the five hundred dollar BCS Seagrass one. Uh, oh, that's pretty I good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I got. I think I got a half a sample left. If you want to come over and try sometime. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> just remind me next time in the the sea of samples that we have to go through. Yeah, I'd love to try that. I know everybody's probably like sea of samples. These guys. All right. Our last one, it's a little bit of a longer one, and that's because Goose Island, we talked about it all the time. We actually had them on the podcast at one point to talk about the process behind the the Bourbon County Stout as well as the history and everything like that. But here is a little bit more history for you as well to kind of lead up into this. So in 1992, former Goose Island brewmaster Gregory Hall, he wanted to brew something truly unique for the brew pub's 1,000th batch. And he needed just a little bit of inspiration. And then a chance encounter between Greg and Jim Beam's Booker No led to Goose Island acquiring the barrels for what was to become the world's first bourbon barrel-aged beer. And it was called Bourbon County Stout. Today, Bourbon County Stout is not only a local favorite, but globally known for setting the standard of barrel-aged stouts with continued innovation. So this year, they're releasing seven variants. First is you have the standard Bourbon County Stout. And this is their Imperial Stout aged and blended from freshly emptied bourbon barrels. And they come from Heaven Hill, Four Roses, Wild Turkey, and Buffalo Trace. The next one is their two-year Barley Wine Reserve. And this is coming in at a staggering 17% ABV. And for this reserve, we worked with our friends at Old Fitzgerald to obtain three exceptional sets of barrels of varying ages from the distillery's Old Fitzgerald Bottled and Bond Decanter series. This reserve offers a rare opportunity to highlight the distinct characteristics of our rich barley wine aged in 14, 16, and 17-year-old barrels of an amazing bourbon pedigree. There's the Bourbon County 30th Anniversary Reserve Stout. This will be around 14.5% ABV. And this pays homage to the serendipitous union between Gregory Hall and Booker No, that then led to subsequent years, variations, or sorry, variants and traditions from Black Friday lines to bottle shares and more. Going back to the inception of Bourbon County Stout, the 30th Anniversary Stout is aged from a blend of Jim Beam barrels from their small batch bourbon collection, including from Basil Hayden, Booker's, Baker's, and Knob Creek. And as history would have it, Jim Beam launched their first ever small batch collection on this 30 years ago. So this 30th Anniversary Reserve Stout is a culmination of signifying the historical, groundbreaking shifts in both the bourbon and beer industries from two visionaries all these years ago. 
There's also a biscotti stout coming, and this is inspired by the Italian desserts of Jill Sarone, who's the people manager at Goose Island, and this is coming from her childhood memories, and she dreamed up this variant after grabbing a box of chocolate-dipped biscotti from her cabinet. There's also going to be the coffee stout. So for the first time since 2017, they brought back a coffee variant this year in a partnership with their friends and neighbors at Intelligentsia Coffee. Intelligentsia relies on Burundi for some of the cleanest, sweetest coffees in the world that ultimately complement the quality and tasting notes of Bourbon County Stout. The specific coffee blend combined with their imperial stout is called Turuhame, which means together. I'm pretty sure I butchered that one, but it's also the perfect tribute to all the hands that go into making it. From the female coffee farmers in Burundi that produced the blend to our friends at Intelligentsia, the first brand we worked with on the variant back in 2010. There's also Sir Isaac Stout. So for years at Brewers of Goose Island, they brainstormed ways to incorporate figs into Bourbon County Stout, but they faced a daunting task due to their subtle flavor. After fresh thinking from members of the Goose Island e-commerce team, Melissa Aluguez and Ryan Hobona, they crafted a recipe inspired by Melissa's childhood memories of stealing fig cookies out of her grandma's cookie jar during her summers on Lake Michigan. And thus the fig cookie and graham cracker inspired Sir Isaac Stout was created highlighting the dried fig profiles extracted from the bourbon in the barrels. Our brewers use Black Mission figs, approximately 10,000 pounds of them to be specific, to create this variant. And lastly, you have the proprietor stout, or what we all kind of call as the prop. And this recipe was dreamed up after two of our brewers, Jason Krasowski and Paul Cade, spent a night out on town trying some of the best cocktails the city has to offer. The result is a brewer's take on the Jungle Bird cocktail that combines banana, coconut, lime, and a new ingredient for the Bourbon County South family, pineapple. There you have it. That was a lot to read there, but that is everything that you can expect this Black Friday. I think COVID's ruined the word variant for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like hearing the word variant in anything, but uh, those all sound really good. I, I, is it biscotti or biscotti? Is that like the cookie you dip in your coffee, I, mean, I guess? Or like it's I'm like a little time. biscuit or bread. I'm half a time. Biscotti. So I, I say biscotti. Well, I'm I'm 100 Kentuckian, so we say biscotti. Biscotti. And, biscotti. And Versailles and <laughs> and Ethan. But yeah, it's a it's an Italian cookie that's usually used for just dipping in coffee. Uh, right. You hardly you hardly eat it on its own because it's like a lot of Italian cookies. They're hard. You don't right. get like a very soft, fresh, sort of delicate Italian cookie and like. Like Pazelles, if you ever had one of those, it's essentially a waffle, and they're they're not they're, like they're, they're drenched they're in butter and vegetables. I mean, there's a little like butter. American. <laughs> there's there's a little butter involved, but it's kind of like just having a really thin waffle. So Italian cookies aren't necessarily like, it, at least in my opinion, I'd I'd probably even being Italian, I'd rather have an Oreo at the end of the day. But for a biscotti, yeah, it's usually something you dip in coffee. That's why Italians are so thin. They don't have their cookies are hard and brittle, so you don't need a bunch of them. But then you eat lasagna and yeah. sausage and everything like that. I think I think it evens out. Yeah, it's probably. Yeah, I was gonna say Italians are not healthy by any means. I mean, Europeans what? in general are way more skinnier, but for the most part, there's you go to Italian like it, Italy know, has a lot of has one of the longest lifespans of any country. They got like one of the blue zones that or. Centurions live. Well, maybe it's live. because they eat a lot of burrilla pasta. Yeah, maybe. I don't it know. It could be something. Or or biscotti. Or biscotti. Yeah. Or biscotti. Biscotti. Whatever. Um <laughs> yeah, this 
these stouts sound delicious. I really want that cocktail, the Jungle Bird or Jungle Book, whatever it's called. <laughs> the Jungle Bird. You had it right the first time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it'll be really weird, though. I mean, so the prop, by any means, the prop is what is only local to residents in Chicago. You can't get that outside of Chicago. And they usually do something pretty unique every year. But this one I'm kind of surprised about. A banana, coconut, lime, and pineapple going into... I don't know if it's like going into it or if they tried to actually brew it with a little bit. I don't know. I'm not too much of the, the fruited f- stuff. flavor man stuff. There you go. Just go ahead and keep adding, keep adding all the liqueurs and whatever you need to, to kind of... Flavor man's the MGP of flavor. It, that's true. They do a lot of it. They do a lot of it. All the big blue drums that you'll see in some some warehouses. Yep. Flavor man. It's good stuff, though. Yeah. They do good. Who knows? I'm sure. Maybe we'll I'm work sure with them one day. I'm sure that's exactly how Goose Island won the most comment <laughs> on their press release. Yes. Uh, anyway, sorry. Debating biscotti and biscotti, but yeah, they're going to be great. They don't need us. They'll probably all sell out, so. All, all the time. And that's yeah. what, I'm I'm almost getting to the point now where it's hard to get out. I see this and I'm already jumping the gun. I'm saying like, okay, like I want to go out and I want to go out in the morning and I'm only going to get four beers. And if I can get the variants, great, because that's, that's all I care about because I've already, I've got 40 of them here in my basement and I can't drink them fast enough. So I, I'm at the point now where I'm starting to slow down the buying habits on, on my, my Bourbon County stouts. But I mean, damn it, if you wouldn't tell me there's another coffee stout, because the coffees are always solid and I'm kind of interested to try the, the barley wine. I, I get this hankering every once in a while to get a barley wine out and drink it because it's not a, technically a, a deep stout, but it's, but it's not a, it's not a light beer by any means either, especially at this one at 17%. So Jesus, I don't know. It's, it's uh, a, I, I kind of enjoy a bottle it. Of wine. It's a, it's a barley wine. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of the barley wines, the coffee stouts I can get behind and I'm, I'm ready for the jungle juice. One, two. <laughs> I could get, I could get behind that one, but barley wine, I just, I don't know. It's too like bitter or something. Um, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they don't care what I think, so they don't. it'll sell out. They don't care what I think either. But hopefully now you out there in listener world, you have the news and you can go ahead and start putting in your request now at your favorite local liquor stores to say, I don't want to line up at Black Friday at 6 a.m. to go and get these. Can you hold me one back? Because that or maybe you can just ask, ask the Pennsylvania store to hold you one back. <laughs> That's right. Or Virginia. <laughs> or Virginia. All right, but that's going to wrap it up for this week in bourbon. We got a chance to talk a little bit about us at the very top of things, but we also got a chance to talk about another control state and all the issues that we see. But I'm telling you all, it's the grass isn't greener on the other side, so it's it's okay to have these problems come up every once in a while. That's right. Everything will be okay. But with that, we'll see you all next week. Toodles. <laughs>